Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another scintillating and exciting episode of the KWUR Theater of the Air, broadcasting here live from the basement of the Women's Building at KWUR 90.3 FM. I'm David Reinstrom. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And you should not even be here. What are you guys doing here? You you should not be listening right now. You should not be listening right now. There are more important things for you to be doing right now. You know what you should be doing right now? What's that, David? You should be over at the Blues and Folk Show. Uh, for the 560 the, the building, uh, K-Wear Week, I, 560 I don't... Trinity. Yeah, no, it's a huge, it's a huge, exciting thing. Yes. Uh, what's going on tonight? And and let me first say, uh, Alexandra Jensen is not here because she has been um, kidnapped by aliens. Yes, which uh, is unfortunate. Which is very unfortunate. But I think uh, it dovetails nicely with our show, which we'll does. get to in a it minute really after does. we tell it's... you not to listen to it. It's very convenient. Don't listen to our show tonight. Do not do it. If if you are listening live on the radio, turn it off, get out of your house, and go to 560 Trinity. Get in the doors by 8.30. If you're a WashU student, it's free. If you're not a WashU student, it is uh, $5. And go see the incredible blue stylings of Boo Hanks and the incredible banjo stylings of the one-man band, Philip Roebuck. Uh, he's got a, like a kick drum attached to his back. And and a banjo, it's incredible. Seriously? Yeah, no, that is that is what you and I are missing. Dang. Tonight because we are doing our show. All right. Well, so we so have to miss out. Stop listening. But you don't have to. You you can make a choice, listeners. You can make a choice tonight. I, I think that's enough, though. Okay. Yeah, I are, think enough people are probably gone by now. Are they gone? All right. So okay. So podcast listeners, thank you for sticking through with that. Um, Rabid, loyal David fans, um, we appreciate and acknowledge your infatuation, but you don't have to do this. But stick with us anyway, because because tonight... Tonight? I don't like this hive mind thing, David. It's creeping me out. I was going to do the theremin thing, and you were going to talk. Tonight is the creepy science fiction show! Actually, pretty dark. We're doing, sweet. yeah, we're doing sci-fi. We I don't have I, some. Uh, we got some classic science fiction from the 1950s through the 1960s for you. I just want to say, unplanned. You got to stop. We got to stop with the shared neuron thing. Oh, the theremin. Yeah. I, well, see, whenever I think about sci-fi, I just start whistling theremins. It's like my default thing. Isn't that creepy? I can hum and whistle at the same time. Um, I bet I could do that. Yeah. Not as well as me. Hold on, hold on. Well, we can we can work on that. Yeah. We can work on that. Well, we listen to some awesome <laughs> science fiction radio theater. So uh, why don't we just dive right in here. What you got, baby? First. What you got? What I've got is a uh, an episode of a show called X-1 from, uh, I want to say it's from, from 53. 50, oh, okay. No, no, this one's from 56. Okay, this, is, this was the NBC this, thing. Yes, this is from an NBC radio, science fiction radio theater show from uh, 1956. And what we're going to play for you is an episode called A Gun for Dinosaur. This, ladies and gentlemen... You cannot see the face I'm making. This, ladies and gentlemen, Excuse is... Excuse me while I pick up my jaw. <coughs> a radio... A, a a radio drama from 1956 in which uh, in which 
the heroes go on a dinosaur safari using a time machine built and developed at Washington University in St. Louis. I'm not making this up. You that will, is this university. You will hear it. You will hear it in the sketch, uh, which is narrated by a – I'm honestly – I. I'm not sure if he's English, if he's supposed to be English or Australian. David, you will have to okay. use your accent nuances and inform us later. He is not kidding you guys. To bowdlerize the common expression, um, he, he is not defecating you. It's true. So, Alex, uh, if you're out there in space, call us. Or time. Tell us if they've probed you, but keep it clean. Yes, indeed. And all of you listeners can feel free to call into the show at any time. Oh, By what, calling, yeah. What number, Dave? I don't know. Three one four nine three five three one four nine three five five nine eight seven. What is tonight's call-in topic, David? Um, I'm thinking. Um, I I don't remember. We oh, came okay. up with something. I, I liked forget. mine. If you, uh, so the call-in topic for tonight. So call in after. Oh, I remember. If you were going to Mars, yes. If you were going to Mars, naturally. In the future, we'll all have food pills. Right. So if you were going to Mars, what food pill would you— And you could only take one flavor of food pill. Yes. You can only take one flavor of food pill. What food pill would you take? That is our listener call-in challenge for the evening. Call in, and uh, we will select the best flavored food pill at the end of the show. Maybe give them a prize. In the meantime, I'm thinking we should listen to a radio play called— A gun for dinosaur. I am so down with that. Kick it. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one. Tonight's story, A Gun for Dinosaur, by L. Sprague de Camp. Uh, Just whiskey, please. No soda. Ice, Mr. Rivers? (laughs) Good heavens, no. I have been in America for some time, but not that long. Well... To a fine dinosaur. Well, now, uh, just a moment, Mr. Seligman. I won't take you hunting late Mesozoic dinosaur. Why not? How much do you weigh? About nine stone? 130 pounds. Yeah, I thought so. It's not heavy enough. But your advertisement. You said safaris arranged to any time period. Well, I'll take you to any period in the Cenozoic. I'll get you a shot at any intelodont or even mammoth or mastodont. They have fine heads. But I'll jolly well not take you to the Jurassic or the Cretaceous. 
You're just too small. But what's my weight got to do with it? Now, look here, old boy. What did you think you were going to shoot those dinosaurs with? Well, I... Well, look uh, over here in this case. That's my own gun, a Continental 600. That shoots a pair of Nitro Express cartridges the size of bananas. It's designed for knocking down elephants, not just wounding them, but knocking them base over apex. Well, now, I've handled guns. Uh huh? Look, I've been guiding hunting parties for over 20 years. But I've never known a man your size who could handle a 6 naught naught. It knocks him over. Well, people have killed elephant with lighter guns, even a three seventy-five. Oh, yes, but consider an elephant weighs, well, let's say from four to six ton. You're planning to shoot reptiles weighing two to three times as much as an elephant. Now, I tell you, Mr. Seligman, I won't take anybody hunting dinosaur who can't handle a 6 naught naught. Look, let's pour another drink and I'll tell you why. You see, I went into the partnership with the Raja about five years ago. I call him that because he's the hereditary monarch of Janpur. It means nothing, of course. We both wanted to do a bit of hunting again. And Africa's all played out. It's too civilized now. So when we heard of Professor Prohaska's time machine at Washington University, we caught the next plane to St. Louis. The foundation administering the machine had worked out an arrangement splitting the time between scientific parties and hunters who wanted to try their luck at prehistoric game. Hunters paid through the nose, of course, to support the project. Well, it was about our fifth safari that Courtney James showed up. He's what you chaps call a playboy, a big bloke, handsome in a way, florid, beginning to turn to fat. He was on his fourth wife. And when he showed up at the office with a blonde, I assumed that this was the fourth Mrs. James. And he left her in the outer office and corrected my assumption. Bunny? Oh, no, she's not my wife. My wife is in Mexico, I think, getting a divorce. But Bunny here would like to go along. I'm sorry. Uh, we don't take ladies. Not to the late Mesozoic. If she wants to go, she'll go. She skis and flies my airplane, so why shouldn't there she... There are enough risks at 85 million B.C. without adding to them. I'm sorry, but it's uh, against the firm's policy. Now, look here. I'm paying you a lot of money. I'm entitled... You can't hire me to do anything against my best judgment. Now, if that's how you feel, get another guide. All right, all right. But let me tell you... Oh, it ended with my telling him to get out of the office or I'd throw him out. And I was thinking sadly of all that lovely money that James would have paid me. When in came another side, an August Holtzinger, a slim, bald chap with glasses. Mr. Rivers, I don't want you to think I'm here under false pretenses. I'm really not much of an outdoorsman, and I'll probably be scared to death when I see a real dinosaur. <laughs> well, most of us are frightened at first, but uh, it doesn't do to speak of it. Well, you see, I've always run a grocery store till my uncle died, and, uh, well, I've got a great deal of money now. Uh -huh. I'm building a new house, I'm engaged, you know, getting married, and, uh, well, I'm determined to hang a dinosaur head over my fireplace or die in the attempt. A ceratopsian, I think. That's the one with the big horned head and the frill over the neck, isn't it? Well, uh, you want to think twice about that, you know. If you put a seven-foot triceratops head into a small living room, there's uh, apt to be no room left for anything else. I know it's ridiculous, but I'm determined to do something big for once. Since there's no more real big game hunting, I'm going to shoot a dinosaur and hang his head over my mantle. I'll never be happy otherwise. The Raja and I decided to make it to the Middle Cretaceous. That's about, uh, 
85 million years ago. It's the best period for dinosaur in Missouri. So we drove Holtzinger into the country to let him try the six naught naught. It's rather heavy. Look, you look out. There's quite a kick. Well, couldn't you fire it prone? Oh, not a gun that big. There's not enough give. You'd break your shoulder. All right. Uh, take the safety off. Uh, like this? Here. Uh, take my hand. I'll help you up. I, I thank you. I, I think I'd better try something smaller. Well, he took a fancy to my Manchester 70, chambered for a 375 Magnum cartridge. It's a little light for elephant, and very definitely light for dinosaur, but we were in a hurry. And then, of course, just before we were ready to trek, James showed up and apologized for insulting me. He'd had a run-in with the girl, and he wanted to go along. And so we were off on safari. You all ready, gentlemen? Why, yes, I suppose so. Uh, Mr. Holsinger, you've met my partner, the Roger of Janpur. Uh, how do you do, sir? How do you do? Well, shall we get cracking? Uh, after you, Mr. Holsinger. Uh, Mr. James. Oh, thank you. Let's get going. All set. We'll slam the hatch and off we go. What happened? Uh, nothing till the force field is built up. Ah, there she goes. What happened to the lights? Well, there's no current while we're in transition. I don't feel well. <laughs> There's usually a touch of vertigo. I shouldn't worry about it. Look, what do you shoot for? I mean, with dinosaur. What is the best shot? Well, you don't try for his brain, you know. They don't have any. Well, to be exact, they have a little bump about the size of a tennis ball on the top of their spines. And you're not likely to hit it when it's embedded in a six-foot skull. Uh, try for the heart. They have big hearts over a hundred pounds. An exploding shell in the heart will slow them down, at least. Oh, oh, I see. Why do we have to go so far for a game? Why couldn't we just go back 50 years and shoot lions in Africa? Well, the machine won't work more recently than 100,000 years ago. Why? Well, uh, look, I'm no four-dimensional expert on the subject, but it, it has something to do with what they call time paradox. You know, if people could go back to recent times, they might do something to affect history or, or kill their own grandfather, you know. And there's also some kind of taboo about sending people back to the same time again. Oh, paradoxes. Mustn't have them. What would happen? I'm not sure, but the university isn't taking chances. They've got about a, a billion years to cover. They won't run out of eras. Hello? Here we go. Oh, cheers, eh? Well, that's done it. April 24th, 85 million years B.C. Now then, careful. Uh, keep the safety on your gun. And don't shoot unless I give the word. Why? Why should we have to wait for you? Because I'm responsible for everything you do. Especially if something goes wrong. I say, Roger, open the door, will you? In this period, the time chamber materializes on top of a rocky rise... At the west, you see the arm of the Kansas Sea that reaches across Missouri and the big swamp where the sauropods live. To the east, the land slopes up to a plateau. It's good for ceratopsians. But the finest thing about the Cretaceous is the climate. It, it's balmy like the South Sea Islands. And not so muggy as the Jurassic. Oh, we sent the time chamber back off and looked about. It was spring, with the dwarf magnolias in bloom all over. Down towards the Kansas Sea, cycads and willows grew, while the uplands were covered with screwpins and ginkgo. Yeah, well, I'm no ruddy poet, but I can appreciate a beautiful scene. Well, I was looking through the haze and sniffing the air. 
I got it. What the devil? It... You see it? There it goes. Confound it, you idiot. I told you not to shoot without word from me. And what happened? I don't know mine. Wandered out of the cops. Mr. James gave him both barrels. Missed. Now look here, James. One of the biggest dangers on a safari is trigger-happy sides who get panicky. You're not to shoot unless you're told. You understand? Who do you think you are to tell me when to shoot my own game? Now look here. Firstly, if you shoot off all your ammunition before the trip is over, your gun won't be available in case of a pinch. And secondly, if you empty both barrels, what would happen if a big theropod should charge before you could reload? And finally, it's not sporting to shoot everything in sight. Is that clear? All right. All right. Well, now then, first task is fresh meat. As I told you, uh, Holsinger wanted a ceratopsian in head. James insisted on a tyrannosaur. Then everybody would think that he'd shot the most dangerous game. Well, the fact is that tyrannosaur's overrated. But everybody's read about the tyrant lizard and... Well, he does have the biggest head of the theropods. Oh, and he'll snap you up if he gets the chance, no fear. Oh, we started off searching for meat. The Raja and I put the saibs in front. We tell them it's so that they'll get the first shot, which is true, but uh, another reason is that they're always tripping and falling with their guns cocked, and if the guy were in front, he'd get shot. Boneheads. Where? See? Crouching over there. Feeding on those psychids. He's about the size of a man. They look intelligent. Well, not likely. That bulge on the head is solid bone. Now then, hold on there, James. You've had your shot for the day. Hold your fire until Holsinger shoots. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, go ahead, Mr. Holsinger. Doesn't matter which one. No, here. Try that one by the rock. There's a good clear shot. Or take your safety off. Oh. Go ahead now. Well? Shh. I'm nuts. I've had enough of this. James, don't... I got him clean right through the heart. First shot. How's that? I thought you were going to give Holsinger the first crack. It's his turn. Well, I waited. Took so long, I thought he'd gotten buck fever. Very well. But if this sort of thing happens once more, we leave you at camp the next time we go out. The next couple of days, we trekked around the neighborhood and then headed over to the sauropod swamp, over to the west. We were staked out along the edge of the lake, watching a big beggar out in the swamp waving his head about. And they're the big ones... It looks something like the brontosaur. Can't we shoot him? I wouldn't. Why not? Well, there's no point to it, and it's not sporting. Like, if you kill one in the water, he sinks and can't be recovered. And if you kill one on land, well, the only trophy is that little head on the top of that long neck. You can't bring that whole beast back because he weighs 30 tons or more. That museum in New York got one. Oh, yes. Well, they sent a party of 48 to the early Cretaceous with a 50 caliber machine gun. They spent two solid months hacking and sawing the carcass apart and hauling it to the time machine. I know the chap on the project, and he still has nightmares in which he smells decomposed dinosaur. And they also had to kill a dozen big sauropods who came in for the party. And then they had them lying around, too. They lost three men. Reggie, Duckbill, where? Where are they? Up there at the shoreline. Now, keep your voices down. You see? With a crest on the back of their heads. Mr. Rivers... I've been thinking over what you said about those heads. If I could get one of those duck bills, I'd be satisfied. It'd look big enough over my mantle. <laughs> I'm sure of it, old boy. Well, let's be off. Roger, you wait here with Mr. James. Shouldn't take us long. 
Holt and I crept along the shoreline, narrowing the range to the duckbills. I think I can make the shot from here. I'll be ready in a minute. My shoe is loose. He's getting away. I, I won't get a shot. I'm afraid Mr. James has fired both barrels again. James, that's the second time you spoiled my shots. I ought Don't to... Don't be a fool. I couldn't let them wander into camp stamping everything flat. There was no danger to that. You can see that the water is deep offshore. It's just that our trigger-happy Mr. James can't see any animal without shooting. And if it did get close, all you have to do is to throw a stick of firewood at it. They're perfectly harmless. Well, how was I to know? I believe I mentioned it. Well, what are we on this miserable trip for except to shoot things? There are certain rules, you know. You call yourselves hunters. I'm the only one who is hitting anything. Now, just a moment, old man. You're behaving like a confounded skite with more money than brains. I should never have brought you along. Well, that's how you feel. Give me some food and I'll go back to the base by myself. Now, don't be a bigger ass than you can help. That's quite impossible. All right, I'll go alone. I wouldn't want to pollute your air with my presence. Well, that's an attractive thought, Reggie, but we can't let him go. He'll get lost or starve. All right, I'll go after him. We stumbled along for several more days, James on his good behavior for a change. And on the 1st of May, we broke camp and headed north to the hills. Well, it was hot and sticky. And we were soon panting and sweating like horses when I picked up the smell of carrion and heard the thrumming of the flies. We found a huge ceratopsian lying dead in a little hollow on the edge of the copse. He must have weighed six or eight tons alive. Why couldn't I have gotten him before he died? That would have made a darn fine head. Look, on your toes, chaps. The sauropod that's been at this carcass is probably nearby. How do you know? You see how the hide's been ripped off and the bones are scattered? Sauropods will hang around a carcass like this for weeks, gorging and then sleeping their meals off for days at a time. What do we do? Well, that's what we came after. Look, Roger, you take Mr. James through that way and we'll parallel you 40 feet distant. Now keep your eyes open. It'll be hard to see in these woods unless you're right on top of him. We pushed through the edge of the copse, looking for the huge flesh-eater who'd been at the carcass. I could hear James and the Rajah pushing ahead on my right. We were separated by a gully when I heard a noise ahead on our left. What is it? I don't know. Take the safety off your gun. Oh, there it is. It's one of those boneheads. Ah, oh, well, they're not dangerous at any rate. But be careful. That sauropod might still be around. I've got him! Cut him clean! Well, he's done it again. He shot the bonehead. I've got him! Look out! Look out! Titanus Tyrannosaur heaved his head out of the shrubbery just in front of us. Look, the scientists can insist that Rex is bigger than Trionkis, but I'll swear that this Tyrannosaur was bigger than any Rex ever hatched. It must have stood 20 feet high and been 50 feet long. I could see its big, bright eye and six-inch teeth. He'd been sleeping off his last meal, and James fired off both barrels over his head at the bonehead and woke the Tyrannosaur up. Roger, can't get a shot. Found it. There goes the beast in behind those ferns. Holtzinger. Holtzinger! Come back. Your gun's too light for that beggar. 
James came bolting back in a panic and blundered into the Raja, sending both of them sprawling under the ferns. The Tyrannosaur came after them to snap them up. Holtzinger began to blaze away. He got off three shots through the beast's body with that little light gun. The Tyrannosaur whirled around to see what was stinging it. The jaws came open and the head swung around and down again. Holtzinger got off one more shot and tried to leap to one side. The Tyrannosaur continued its lunge and caught him in its jaws as he fell. Reggie! Reggie! Stand clear! Hart! Hart's the only chance! It's no use! There he goes! Try a long shot! Ah, no. I missed him clean. Poor Holtzinger. Well, that's the end. You stopped screaming. Did you notice? Oh, yes. Well, I expect we'd best track the beast. He might be dying. We should try to recover Holtzinger's remains. Yes, there's nothing else to do. No, nothing. It's a bad show all around. An hour later... We gave up and went back to the glade looking very dismal. Where have you two been? We were occupied. The late Mr. Holsinger. Remember? You shouldn't have gone off and left me. None of those things might have come along. Isn't it bad enough to lose 100 through your stupidity? What? Sure, you put us in front of you so if anybody gets eaten, it's one of us. That's... You stinking little swine. If you hadn't been a first-class idiot and blown those two barrels again, this never would have happened. Holtzinger died trying to save your worthless life. And I wish he'd failed. Well, I ought to... Now then, my lady buck, I'm glad you did that. It gives me a chance I've been waiting for. Now get up. And I'll be glad to finish off. You won't finish anybody off. All right, put your hands up. Both of you. Put that gun away. Don't be an idiot. I won't let anybody do that to me. You can't get away with murder. Why not? Won't be much left of you after you're hit with a 600 explosive shell. Nobody could prove anything. They can't hold you for a murder 85 million years old. The statute of limitations, you know. Nice work, Roger, old chap. Yes. Cretaceous rock. Doesn't quite have the balance of a cricket ball, but it's a bit harder. What? Well, suppose we tie this chap up and uh, take him back to camp. When the time transition chamber finally arrived, we fell over one another getting into it. We dumped James in a corner and threw the switches. You two should have killed me back there. Why? You don't have a particularly good head. You wouldn't look at all well over a mantle. You can laugh. But I'll get you someday. (laughs) Close quarters, isn't it? Someday I'll find a way. I'll find a way and I'll get off scot-free, too. My dear chap, if there was some way to do it, I'd have you charged with Holtzinger's murder. Look, you'd best let well enough alone. No, no, I'll kill you. Both of you. Somehow. (sighs) Cigarette, Roger. Thanks. When we came out in the present, we handed him his empty gun, and off he went. We paid everybody off, 
found that we were broke. But quite luckily, a steel manufacturer turned up who wanted a mastodon head for his den. Well, we were standing in the laboratory at the university waiting for the time chamber. The technician, he's a, he's a bookish chap, a theoretical a temporal physicist, was watching his dials and scopes. Oh, uh, by the way, Mr. Rivers, you just missed him. Hmm? Missed who? That last client of yours, Mr. James. <laughs> well, that's good luck. What was he doing here? Oh, he told me quite a tale. Said he'd lost his wallet back there. Said it contained some very valuable papers. Ah. Must have been valuable. Paid the university fee of $5,000 for the use of the chamber. He's on his way back there now. Back where? Well, he, he told me to send him back a few minutes before you arrived the last time. Then he could see himself drop the wallet. <laughs> He's going to stand there and watch himself come out? Yeah, but um, doesn't that create what you chaps call a, a paradox? Uh, what happens when a man tries to occupy the same time twice? No, we don't know. It's never been tried before. Well, we tried to warn him, but he insisted. Yes, I know. He's a headstrong chap. Still, you wouldn't think he'd chance it just for the sake of a wallet. Was he armed? Yes. He had a 375 Express. 375? Well, that's odd. He knows it's too light for dinosaurs. Yes, but not too light for a man. I say, Roger, you don't think Mr. James is lurking behind a bush back there until we show up again? And planning to pot us as we step out? That's impossible. We already did step out of the chamber and nothing happened. Yeah, but that was before Mr. James was waiting with an express rifle cocked. Hey, Doctor? But you mean he's, he's planning to murder the two of you? I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I, uh, I don't suppose there's anything you could do to stop the process now. No, it's too late. The chamber's in transition now. Look, hadn't you better get out of here before he kills you? Well, there's no point in running. If Mr. James's theory is right... Uh, we've both been dead for 85 million years. We might as well wait and see what happens. Transition point coming up. Well, it's been quite a world up to this point. Hey, Roger? Yes, quite. Here it goes. Reggie, are you all right? Uh, well, I seem to be. What happened? The time chamber. It's back. We'd better get it open. Good Lord, look at that. Ghastly, isn't it? Where did it come from? I'm not sure. But I rather think it came from the Middle Cretaceous era. It wasn't here a moment ago. Ghastly mess. Looks as if every bone was pulverized and every blood vessel burst. I dare say. But that's his gun, all right. It's James, there's no doubt of it. So, that's the story, Mr. Seligman. Of course, I don't understand the mathematics, but the idea's rather easy to grasp. Nobody had shot us when we first emerged on the 24th of April, 85 million B.C. And so, of course, that couldn't be changed. The instant James started to do anything that would make a paradox, the space-time forces snapped him forward and ripped him to bits. Well, they know a good deal about that now, and there's a safety margin of 500 years between each trip. You can't have paradoxes, you know. It just isn't done. And you see, I'm a lot more careful now. 
I shouldn't have taken James when I knew what a spoiled, unstable sort he was. Or Holtzinger either, when I saw that he was too small to shoot a dinosaur gun. With a heavier gun, he'd probably have knocked the Tyrannosaur down and saved his own life. So, Mr. Seligman, that's why I won't take you to that period to hunt. I'm sorry, but you're just too light. You're not big enough to handle a gun for dinosaur. And that is why the university no longer uses the time chamber. It's just it's just simply too much of a liability. Uh, I recall there was a um, there was a lawsuit back in the 1960s. Uh, it was just really bad press for the university. Just bad, bad all around, really. Um, it, you know, it was just it was just bad for all parties concerned. Uh, they went back into the late Cenozoic, and somebody got trampled by a giant sloth. It was just it was just plain bad. You know what they say? What do they say? They say uh, when you play with time travel, you get burned. Oh no, no, wait. M- maybe it was. If you don't want to get time traveled, stay out of the kitchen. No, you know what? It was was, uh, a time travel to bed makes a man time traveler. You know what they they also say? What do they also say, David? They say, teach your son early and often that all violence against women is wrong. For tips on what to say, visit endabuse.org. Brought to you by the Family Violence Prevention Fund, the Wade Institute for Violence Prevention, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the KWUR Theater of the Air, here on 90.3 FM, KWUR. Clayton.
And you're listening to KWUR 90.3 FM. <coughs> this. The, the boo. Well, I don't know. The boo? Don't, <laughs> what? You're listening to 90.3 FM, The Monicus. This is Whack Job and The Stump. Hey there, Whack Job. How's it going, The Stump? It's going great. Cool. We were just listening to the finest in internet radio comedy. I am not going to talk like this. Please uh, do not. This Please is the KWU talking oh, like that. This is the KWUR Theater of the Air. Check this us out is... on iTunes. I'm David Reinstrom, and I'm David Brunel. Alexander Jensen has been kidnapped by aliens. They are Whoa! probably doing bad things to her. We will find you, Alex. We will send out a message into the cosmos, and we will steal you from those freaking aliens, and then we will blow up their mothership with the Washington Monument. It's true. We love you, and and whatever those aliens are doing, it's probably bad. So we're uh, going to fight them. That sounds like an impression of somebody, and I'm just it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, is it? Yes. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I will think about it. Okay. Anyway, uh... Tonight's call-in, uh, if you are unaware, the we number is... We haven't said tonight's theme. Oh, sorry. We have to say the theme sorry. before I'll we say the I'll do the theremin, you do the theme. Okay. Tonight's theme, science fiction! The creepy kind. So, as you heard, uh, we had a gun for dinosaur. By the way, um... English? Yes. English, you think? English. Okay, English. I have it on expert opinion that he sounds like Dudley Moore. All right. Yeah, we were having... Yeah. I could see that. that. That's not my opinion. That's an expert opinion. Okay. Yeah, we were having it. We were having a debate uh, before that, um, that radio play about whether the actor who... I, I guess he's the main character. Would you call him the main character? Yeah. I'd call him the main character. Um, is... Uh, has an English accent or an Australian accent. I think it was just sort of a like a posh, public schooly sort of English accent. Yeah, okay. So, uh, just tonight's With theme, a little bit of rough and tumble. Science fiction, and our call-in challenge yes. is, David? If you were going on a mission to Mars, and you were not in cryosleep, uh, and you were going there in the future... Wait, wait, wait. Why would you be in cryosleep if you were going to Mars? No, you wouldn't be in cryosleep. You would not – forget about the cryosleep. You have to – Wait, no, no, future, no. Now I'm concerned about cryosleep. Well, I mean when they send people to Mars in like space shuttles, they go in cryosleep because it takes like like a couple of years. But presumably in the future, you go to Mars, you don't go in cryosleep because you're going at like relativistic speeds. Right? Right. Okay. So <laughs> it makes sense to me. Um, you're, you're in a spaceship. You're on a mission to Mars. And since it's the future, there are food pills. But – uh, you had to buy in bulk for the trip, so you only get to choose one flavor. What flavor do you choose? Call us, 314-935-5987. The best answer... Um, Wins a pony. Well, we haven't decided what the best answer gets. But how's, that, how's, our, how's our pony budget? Uh, nil. All, all that money went to K-War Week. Okay, which, well... Which, if you're not at right now, obviously... Uh-oh. Obviously, you must be a real devoted fanboy or girl. Indeed. So I guess I, ideally girl. Although we don't discriminate, we take all comers. Yes. Uh, so I guess continuing with our theme of science fiction and dinosaurs. Yes. We have next up an original sketch for you. This is uh, this one is near and dear to my heart. Mine also. And uh, we like to call it Montana Morris. Was that 
funny. And that's what I like enough. to. That's what I like to call it too. That's interesting. Anyway, Montana Morris is uh, an ace action paleontologist, <laughs> and he fights Nazis in the forties, as you will see. Yeah, you're going to want to stick around for this one. Uh, it's quality. Yes. Without further ado, Montana Morris. And now, the amazing adventures of Montana Morris. Dr. Montana Morris, world-renowned paleontologist, ace fighter pilot, and champion midweight curler, has dedicated his life to the pursuit of those who would do harm to the noble world of fossils. Assisting him is his faithful sidekick, a Swedish talking dog named Jensen. Formerly belonging to Swedish chemist and engineer Alfred Nobel, Jensen is widely considered the world's foremost canine demolitions expert. This week's adventure finds Montana tied to a chair in the middle of the Badlands, in the hands of that fearsome Teutonic troublemaker, Dr. Von Sturm. Ah, Herr Dr. Morris, we meet at last. Since 1940, I've pursued you across the globe. And now, two long years later, I've finally got you cornered. Dr. Von Sturm, I never expected to find a super-secret Nazi like you inside this secret Nazi superbucker. At this time of night, on a Wednesday, it appears you've caught me off guard. We followed you here to the Montana Badlands and built this super-Nazi secret bunker. Now, I know you carry with you an enchanted Apatosaurus toe joint, and I mean to seize its terrible power for the Reich. You'll never get that toe, Sturm. Oh? And why is it? My men and I can be very persuasive, Dr. Morris. We have ways of making you talk. We also have ways of making you cry. And if time permits, we also have ways of making you a sandwich. I don't want your filthy Nazi hoagies, you fascist scum. Should eat them and like them. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the Reichstag. Commandant Heidi speaks the truth, Herr Doctor. You will give us the toe, or you will die. Oh, yeah? And what if I don't give you the toe? I... I feel like I'm not getting through to you here. If you give us the toe, then you don't die. Your logic is flawed, fiend. I haven't given you the toe, and yet I'm still alive. No, I mean, like, if you continue not to give us the toe, we will, in the near future... Cause you to die by killing you. What if I die of natural causes first? I bet you didn't think of that. Well, how are you feeling? Any sudden illness? Of course not. I'm the healthiest man on the U.S. Geological Survey. I've been eating two rusty nails a day since infancy to build up an immunity to disease. Okay, then it doesn't seem likely to me that you will die of natural causes any time within, say... The next hour or so. Or does it? But no! No, we just clearly established that it does not seem likely. Herr Sturm, the bunker is coming down around our Aryan ears. It was the dog. <laughs> I knew Jensen would come to my rescue. And how, Herr Doctor, do you expect to escape this crumbling bunker tied to a chair? The perennial question... Perplexing to the very end, Dr. Morris. Herr Sturm, we've got to leave now. Mark my words, Montana Morris. The Third Reich will claim that Apatosaurus too! Jensen, I knew you'd come for me, my canine companion. 
Yeah, Dr. Montana. I managed to evade the Nazis when they captured you in the desert. <laughs> Little did those Hitler huggers realize the Apatosaurus toe was on your collar the whole time. Yeah, of course. How else would I be able to talk? Thanks for untying me, pal. Now let's get out of here. Soon, in the Jeep. Dr. Montana, I stole these secret plans from the secret German bunker. Oh, give them here, Jensen, my faithful canine cohort. Yeah, there you are. Uh, it's, it's all slobbery. Well, I have no hands free. I had to carry it in my mouth. Never you mind, Jensen, it's no problem. Let's see what Jerry's got planned for the good old U.S. of A. Oh, my God. What is it, Dr. Montana? According to these plans, the Wehrmacht is planning on using its secret necromancer division to... Why, to reanimate dinosaur skeletons for use in the North African campaign. We've got to stop them from executing this plan. Jensen, turn this jeep around. Soon, in North Africa... Well, here we are in Morocco. Good driving, Jensen. We drive. Good for your soul! Now, these plans say that the excavation site and ritual ground are right outside this completely inconspicuous Museum of Natural History. The plans also say that the ritual begins at moonrise tonight. Hot falafel! Acts as a jacket! And we're just in time. Hurry! Past the marketplace! Hot falafel! Makes you see in the dark! Then let's get some falafel first. Hmm... This portion of tonight's broadcast is sponsored by Ziad Brand Middle Eastern Foods. Ziad, if you can't spell it, it's probably delicious! There they are, Jensen. Those Nazi scumbag necromancers have gathered in an unholy circle. And there is von Sturm and Commandant Heidi. They're dressed in the black robes of the Doom Brotherhood, masters of the long-lost art of raising and controlling the dead. Why would the Germans have access to this knowledge? Hitler is obsessed with the occult, and those thaumaturgical thugs of the Fuel Society are always after all manner of arcane objects. Let's move closer. Okay, everybody. Does everyone have their handbooks? Jawohl, mein Herr Doktor! Excellent. Now we will open the handbook to page 373. Please rise. Commandant Heidi, please be allowed these specimens. Jawohl, mein Herr Doktor. Begin the ceremony. Commandant I have wheeled out the specimen. Let us animate the skeletons. We've got to stop them. Hurry, Jensen. Bork, bork. Guten Tag, you filthy fascists. I've come to keep you from reanimating those dinosaurs and spreading bony havoc across North Africa. Ah, hail Dr. Morris. We've been expecting you. What? You have? I was just... But we drove across an ocean in a jeep. How could you have possibly anticipated my arrival? Uh... Um... How... How did we, Heidi? Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, back to business. We need that Apatosaurus bone from you now, Herr Doctor. That's unlikely. You'll never get it from me, will they, Jensen? Jensen? Hey, let him go, you mangy evildoers! I'm afraid I can't do that, Morris. We need his Apatosaurus bone for our evil plan. 
we'll just stick the bone into the cartridge slot of this Nazi Super Nintendo. Ye gods, that'll bring hideous unlife to these skeletons. Yes, yes it will. <laughs> Nazi laugh. No, no, no! <laughs> now you see, Herr Doctor, I... I alone control the skeletal Nazi army of dinosaurs. Dinos, attack! Ah, but there's one thing you'd forgotten, Sturm. There are two things dinosaurs hate more than anything else in the world. The first is Hawaiian pizza. The second one is Nazis. What? What? How do you know that? I'm an ace paleontologist. While we've been standing here talking, those dinosaurs have turned on your men. What? No! Obey my commands! Dinosaurs! Obey! Obey! Obey this von Sturm! Oh! Oh, Finzi! Stepped on by mine own undead dinosaurs! The irony! The cruel Nazi irony! Now to remove that toe from the Nazi Super Nintendo and correct the fossil record once more. Here's your patasaurus toe back, Jensen. Thank you, Dr. Montana. Good boy. Now let's get out of here before we get Nazi all over ourselves. And so we leave Ace Paleontologist Montana Morris once again victorious over the Nazi menace. And now, outtakes. I think that's a hilarious exchange because you don't realize until the very end that the dog is driving the Jeep. That's brilliant. We're awesome. <laughs> Nazi laugh! So, listening to that, it is very interesting to me how how are my ideas uh, as a writer have like changed about. Stock you're going to start evil. intellectualizing things, David. You said you said use this as a jumping off point. I did, but I didn't mean like that. Well, okay. Um, so Montana Morris was really the genesis for for one of our original series that we're producing this semester. When you think about it. Yes. I, I mean, I think so. You, uh, folks, uh, in case you weren't aware, you're listening to the K-Word Theater of the Air here on KWU, on KWUR 90.3 FM, Clayton. Close enough. Good enough for government work. Thank you. Good enough for government work. Uh, and I'm David Brunel Brutman. I'm David Reinstrom. Alex is in space somewhere. And we're talking about the sketch we just played, she Montana ab- Morris. She was abducted. Yes, she was abducted. By space aliens. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yes, no, I, yeah. I completely agree. Why don't you tell us a little about one of the up-and-coming original series that we're going to be premiering? Well, okay, so there, are, there are three original series. I'm directing one, Dave is directing one, and this guy, Ruben, is directing one. He's a fine, fine fellow. Um, and... My show uh, is called Sky Pirates, 
And it's in this sort of pulpy tradition. Um, when when we decided that we wanted to to start expanding the theater of the air into something bigger at the beginning of like last semester, um, I just got to thinking about, or I, I mean, at the beginning of last year, excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, we basically started. We we went through the original sketches we'd made up until that point and said, okay. What here can we extend Expand, yeah. into, a, like, what would support a full series? And at first I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool if Montana Morris, you know, had a sustained show? But then the more that I thought about it, the more I realized that it was just a parody form. And it was yeah. just Indiana Jones jokes. And I didn't want to do an original series that was entirely derivative of something else. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty limiting. Um and so that was where we got the idea for Sky Pirates, uh, which is – we'll be playing you some music, uh, which is our original music um, per, per, composed by our own Robert Panico. Uh, he is a senior here at the university and he is my music director and I love him very dearly and performed by our own uh, KWUR Chamber Orchestra of the Air. They have been working very hard this semester and last semester to – Yes, indeed. Uh, and let me say, it sounds awesome. I like it a great deal. Uh, and and it's interesting how you'll you'll see when we have the first the uh, the first episode coming up um, where where the characters of von Sturm and and Commandant Heidi what those sort of Nazi stock evil archetypes yeah who they morph into, into. Um, which you know I I like to think that the the uh, Baron Klaus von Grapp and Lady Magdalena are much more who, who are the villains who are the sky villains. pirates. Uh, they're you know they're still they're still Germanic 1930s anti you know like like the whole show the feel of the show is still very silly and jingoistic the way that Montana Morris is, but I'd like to think that they're not they're not the same breed of stock evil. Yeah, you know we're, they're we're, also not Nazis. That I would like to make abundantly <laughs> clear. But yeah, it's it's cool. I think the way that something like that, which is you know sort of a one off, we we came up with that in a day. Yeah. You know, we we said, okay, how can we make fun of Indiana Jones? Uh, what if instead of an archaeologist, he's a paleontologist? And then we said, okay, then so there have to be some Nazis in there, and we'll throw him in. His original name, New Mexico Chittenden. <laughs> did I ever tell you that, David? <laughs> that was in a, that was in, I found no, that document. No, you did not. Well, because I thought I thought, how do I make another Indiana Jones? I said, okay, American state plus Welsh last name. <laughs> <laughs> New Mexico Chittenden was the first thing that came to me. New Mexico Chittenden. <laughs> Don't ask me. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I've talked enough about my show. I agree. <laughs> I will fight I'm you. I'm sick of hearing about it. Well, too bad. You're going to hear nothing but for the rest of the semester. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally not sick of hearing about it. All of you listeners should be crazy excited. Because, crazy excited. Uh, this thing is cool. It is off the heezy. It is off the heezy. It, is off the, it will be off the hook as uh, Republican National Chairman um, – <laughs> Republican Party Chairman Michael Steele said today. No, I'm not kidding. He said that the party was going to nah, be off no, the that's, that's not the look I'm giving you. Oh. This is a different look. Is this a look of disbelief that he said it? No. Is this a look of why are you talking about this right now? Yeah, it's more like that. All right. It's a little more like that. All right. Um, that's the best look, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't, instead of talking about Republican senators, we play more science fiction radio theater? Uh, chair of the National Republican Party. Um, Republican National Convention Chair. Oh, what? That's even more useless. <laughs> Says you. 
Says I indeed. What have we got? What do you want to play? Do you, you want to play um, the radio adaptation of Star Wars? Kind of, yeah. I know I do. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not be aware of this, <laughs> but in... <laughs> but... Among among the uh, the annals of ridiculous Star Star Wars tie-ins, there exists a radio series. What is it? Chronicle. It's A New Hope. Empire. Is it all three? Yeah, it's all three. They did. They did like thirteen episodes for each movie. Yeah, on uh, PBS, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. NPR. NPR. These were radio dramas that were created by George Lucas. You know, by by Lucasfilm for and with NPR. Yes, that's with, what I meant. With some members of the original cast, um, they had uh, they had Mark Hamill playing um, playing Luke, and uh, what's his name that plays C three PO? Anthony Daniels. Anthony Daniels. I want to say Anthony Daniels. And that's Daniels. about it. Uh, Darth Vader is a different person. I'm pretty sure it's not James Earl Jones. Uh, Leia is not Carrie Fisher, and I'm pretty sure. Uh, Han Solo is not Harrison Ford, um, but we'll have to listen. This is this is great. Yeah, this is this is so we're going to play the first installment of this, which is I guess corresponds to the first part of yeah. uh, the first Star Wars movie. I am also pretty sure that this is Star Wars canon. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that is not in the movies. I mean, because it's it's many hours longer than the films. All right, what well, you're about to hear is half an hour, and there's like 12 more episodes of this. Why just don't for a New Hope? Then why don't we find out exactly what is different? I was trying to come up with something cool to say, and I couldn't. Uh, Just play the music, David. (laughs) Let's do it. Star Wars for the radio. Star Wars, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Episode 1, A Wind to Shake the Stars. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution, when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. But most of the citizens of that vast empire of a million star systems took little notice of this tremendous conflict, at least at first. On the desert planet Tatooine, as on countless other worlds, Life goes on while great events are shaping the future of a galaxy. Here, amid the endless sands and the dune seas, the hostile wastes and barren lands, human beings struggle and endure. And here, too, men and women laugh and cry, hope and dream. So don't just dream about applying for the Academy. Make it come true. You can find a career in space. Exploration, Starfleet, or merchant service. Choose from navigation, engineering, space Space medicine, medicine. contact liaison, and more. If you have the right stuff to take on the universe and standardized examination scores that meet requirements, dispatch your application to 
Screening office, carry the Commandant, Imperial Space Academy, your sector, and join the ranks of the proud. I love it! Oh, uh, I'm out here in the tech dome, Wendy. Hey, Skywalker, come on. Everyone's over at the power station. We're going out to Beggar's Canyon. Uh, my hopper's acting up. Something's wrong with her thrust bias, so I'm going to ride with you. Sure. How'd you get here? Uh, my folks came over in the land speeder to see your uncle and aunt, and I hitched a ride. Oh. <laughs> what are you acting so guilty about? Huh? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh-huh. Come on, let's see that tape, Skywalker. Hey, will you come on? Give me that. Come on, Cut it Skywalker. out, Wendy. Aha! Applicant's information packet. Imperial Space Academy. Will you stop it? <laughs> You're still seeing Novus, huh, Luke? <laughs> Looks like this tape's been played a few thousand times. Give it back! The great Luke Skywalker, hero of the universe. <laughs> when are you going to grow up, Luke? You're a farm boy, just like me. Hand it over, Wendy, or I'll take it. Okay, here. <laughs> Take it. What are you getting so touchy about? Come on, come on, get your skyhopper going. I'll roll back the dome. Why'd your folks come over anyway? Oh, to talk about the moisture harvest, complain about crop prices, who cares? I guess it's a mercy visit, you know? Yeah, Aunt Beru's always eager for company. Even Uncle Owen is. <laughs> but he'd never admit it. Well, get in, Wendy. Time's wasting. I don't expect to have another whole free day till the moisture harvest is in. Sounds smooth, Luke. Yeah, I worked on her all day yesterday. Well, listen, if you're planning on doing any racing, you can count me out, Skywalker. <laughs> Tatooine is no academy, and you're no star pilot. Not yet, anyway. Well, I adjusted the thrust sequence for extra boost. You better hang on to your seat. Fixer! Fixer! What? Skywalker's here? So what? Don't bother me with small fry. Where's the juice? I'm thirsty. Here, catch one. Hey, everybody. Where's the party? Wherever I am, Luke. Right, Cammy? Correct, lover. Hey, boys. Guess what Skywalker was doing? Hey. Sitting in the tech dome playing an academy recruitment tape. not. You never change, Skywalker. Is that all you want out of life, to parade around in a fancy uniform? So what do you want that's so much better, Fixer? Yeah, you watch it, boy. Just because you got lucky on a couple of crummy tests, that doesn't make you some kind of junior space explorer. I never said I was any You know what I did back when they made me take those exams? What? I walked in, filled out my name, and walked out again. <laughs> I showed him. Yeah. Yeah, just because he can answer fancy trick questions and do school book flight maneuvers, he thinks it makes him better than I Yeah, Luke. Mm -hmm. So you happen to qualify. So what? What do you think you are? Biggs or something? Yeah, right. he just wants to go to the Academy because Biggs did. He always was his hero. Yeah, I'd like to go to the Academy. Why shouldn't I? Because it's for suckers, Skywalker. <laughs> they want to stick you into a uniform and give you orders. At least here at the power station, I'm my own boss. <laughs> anyway, my father says the Empire is just recruiting more people into the academies so they can draft them into the Starfleet. Do you mm -hmm. think anybody out there cares about Luke Skywalker? Mm -hmm. well, if you leave home, nobody knows you. Hey, where is the juice? Oh, here it is. So, 
what's on the program for today, Fixer? Speed run, Skywalker. Speed runs. Oh? I'm gonna see how much time I can shave off the back stretch. There's no way you can cut much more time off your lap, Fix. Hmm? You're almost matching Biggs' best time around Beggar's Canyon as it is. Yeah, well, Biggs isn't here, and I am. I'm as good as he ever was. Oh, yeah, well, then why don't you thread the stone needle like Biggs did? Fook. That ought to take five seconds or better off your time. And Biggs is the only one who ever flew through it at racing speed. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I was just saying that if you want to improve your score, you're, you're gonna crazy, have... Luke. Why don't you guys go buzz the Wamprats and take a few pot shots at him? The speed run stuff is going to get somebody killed. Hey, 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 what's the matter, Cammy? You don't think I can do it? Listen, anything the great Biggs Darklighter could do, I can do. I never said you couldn't fix it. Yeah, nobody was knocking you, Fixer. Besides, I don't need any shortcuts. Hey. Do you want to try and keep up with me? Oh, Fixer. Huh? What, me? What, are you, are you scared, Wormy? Yeah. All right. Oh, You're on. Crazy. Ooh, boy, Wormy against oh, the Fixer. Oh, That's going to be a slaughter. Well, then you can ride with oh, Fixer, I'm... Deke. What are we waiting for, boys? Let's go. Fixer. Come back here, Fixer. I want this to stop right now. Hey, I couldn't find those macro binoculars anywhere. Never mind, Wendy. Buckle up. Hey, what are you doing? Standing in for bigs. Brace yourself. Ah. Here we go. One run down the back stretch, Skywalker, whenever you're ready. Hey, wait a minute. You and Fixer in the bottleneck together? Count me out. Well, jump. Oh. Fall in even wait. with me, Skywalker, and we'll let her rip. Yeah. Okay, hit it. Oh. Look out! Will you shut up and keep... St oh, no, you distracted me, Wendy. Now Fixer's got the lead. Well, let us keep it. I want to live. How does my afterblast feel? <laughs> too narrow to get past him. Whatever you do, don't go for altitude. Don't go for altitude. The crosswinds will smash us right into the canyon wall. Just make yourself comfortable back there, poor boy. It'll all be over in a minute. Yeah, that's what you think. Wait, <laughs> Hey, you idiot! You took the wrong turn! You're headed for the stone needle! Yeah, I bet we shaved five seconds off our time! You're gonna kill us both! There's no going back now! Stay gripped, Wendy! We made it! Wendy, open your eyes! We made it! I'm, I'm alive! I don't believe it! Hey! Your stabilizer's gone! Oh, I can hold her! We still gotta cross that finish line! He'll crash us! Here we go. I told you I could bring her in! Hey, Wendy! We won! <laughs> we won! Won? Luke, you're crazy. <laughs> crazy! I'm riding home with one of the others. You're just an accident looking for a place to happen. Oh, Biggs, you should have been here. <sighs> Luke? Luke, are you up yet? Breakfast is ready. Mm. Morning, Aunt Peru. Good morning, dear. I'm afraid your uncle's in a big hurry today. He says things are still behind schedule. Come on now, eat your breakfast before it gets cold. Okay. But I don't think the desert's going anywhere. No, it'll still be there, Luke. 
If we don't get things ready for the season in time, that's all it'll be, a desert. I want some hard work today. Yes, sir. Keep an eye peeled when you're out. There are reports of sand people. I want you to see what you can do with the units up on the south ridge. I expect them all to be running 100% and smooth for the day's end. Uncle Owen, those evaporators are ten years old. They should have been replaced a long time ago. Yeah, you can get them functioning up to specs if you roll up your sleeves and quit your daydreaming. Look, I need a farm hand who'll pitch in, not a nephew who's heading the stars half the time. You pull your weight today or there'll be trouble. Owen! Come on, finish what's left before it gets cold, both of you. Luke, dear, I put your lunch in the land speeder so you wouldn't forget it. Thanks, Aunt Peru. Well... I guess I'd better get going. Take the treadwell with you. Treadwell? But that old droid's in worse shape than the evaporators, Uncle Owen. What about getting some new droids? Oh, just what I need. Another expense. But, but with another droid or two, we could keep the whole farm at peak efficiency right through the harvest. Look, I can check around Toshi Station and Anchorhead, and there'll probably be a Jawa Sandcrawler passing through any time now. Maybe they'd have something we could use. Luke, give over your daydreaming and do your share, and we won't need any droids. I never let you want for anything, have I? Huh? Fine, young fella. At least you can do is show some gratitude. Oh, Lars! Oh, and we could use a little more help. A droid that spoke domestic bocce could help me round the house, too, when you didn't need it. Oh, well. Luke, goodbye, dear. Goodbye, Emperor. I'll do my best with those evaporators, Uncle Owen. Honestly, Owen. I don't know what gets into you at times. Luke's never asked us for a thing. He works as hard as any farmhand. He could have gone off on his own long ago, and you know that. Baru, with his mind wandering half the time, he's never going to make his way in life. But you can't begrudge him his dreams. A person has to have their dreams. I've never once complained about living out here or hardly ever seeing other people or going without when the moisture harvest was bad, have I? I see here, missus. I never said to you. Owen... Even to the young people over at Anchorhead, Luke is an outsider. He hasn't had a close friend since Biggs went to the academy. I, I don't want him coming to harm, Baru. I want what's best for him. I know that, Owen. But it wouldn't hurt to tell him so. Well, I'll be most of the day on those condensers in the upper basin. Won't be home till evening, I expect. I'll have supper waiting, Owen. Hey, Treadwell, come hold this junction plate in place while I torque it down, will you? That's it. That ought to do it. Now, let's give this old relic a try. Nothing. Oh, boy, how does Uncle Owen expect me to keep these junk heaps running? Uh, here, Treadwell, clamp these two leads together while I splice them. No, no, you idiot. Will you use your insulated arm? <laughs> Release! Release! Back off! <sighs> what I wouldn't give to be on another planet. Any planet. Uncle Owen's not going to like this a bit. Now I've got two major overhauls on my hands. Treadwell, get over to the land speeder. If we don't get those new droids now, we'll be in real trouble for the moisture harvest. Well, the sky is still clear anyway. 
least there's no sandstorms blowing up. Maybe we can have things ready, but... Hey, what's that up there? I know you don't know, you maniac. Where are my macro binoculars? I know I left them in there someplace. Ah, here they are. Now, let's see. Yeah, yeah. There's two ships out there, all right. Two of them at least. And they're firing on each other. It's incredible. Boy, they're really going at it out there. Come on, Treadwell. Get yourself over to the land speeder. I've got to get into Anchorhead and tell Fixer about this. Well, get it in gear, will ya? Okay, stay put then. I'll pick you up on the way home. Did I just hear a young noise blast in here? Come on, Wendy's got a shot to make and there's money yeah. riding yeah. on her. Yeah. Come on, shape it up, you guys. Wait till you hear what hey, I just... We got company, Luke. What? <laughs> when did you get back from the academy? So the two shooting stars are reunited at last. I'm so thrilled to be here for you. I just got in on the shuttle. I wanted to surprise you, Luke. You know, I thought you'd be here when I arrived. I forgot you have the harvest coming up. <laughs> hey, but how come you're back so soon? Didn't you get your commission? Sure. Hey, I got it. The academy accelerated our courses. It seems the Empire wants the commercial space lines expanded as soon as possible. Wow. <laughs> you ought to drop the Emperor a Thank you, Note Biggs. That's the only way you could have gotten out of that academy. Yeah. <laughs> Signed on with the starship Rand Ecliptic. <laughs> Third mate Biggs Darklighter at your service. <laughs> hey, how's this for a snappy salute? Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you fly a ship better than you salute. Oh, Luke, what do you know? I think Biggs looks just fabulous in his uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biggs just had to come back and say goodbye to all us planet-bound simpletons. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I almost forgot. Drop the game and come outside quick. You guys have got to see something. There's a battle going on uh, beyond the atmosphere. What are you going to stop seeing things and grow up, Skywalker? Uh -huh. Space battles. What a jerk. Biggs, I didn't just imagine this one. Well, if you say so, Luke. Hey, Deke, turn off that game. Oh, hey, it'll still be here when we get back. Oh, here we go again. Captain Skywalker has sighted the enemy again, sir. <laughs> and is advancing to the rear. Right. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Yep, they're still there. I counted two earlier. Here, Biggs, you take the macro. Okay. See for yourself. Well, will do. What do you think, Biggs? Yeah, I'm afraid that... Oh, that's no battle up there, Luke. <laughs> what? Here, Cammy. Yeah, it's probably just a tanker fueling a freighter. No, no, it's the rebellion, right, Luke? All the way out here on the backside of nowhere. But there was a lot of firing before. I, I swear there was. Uh, I saw it. Well, then why would they still be holding position over Tatooine? Oh, Luke, they're not doing a thing up there. Firing my foot. Here, take these things back. Hey, Cammy, be careful with those. <sighs> Don't worry about it, Luke. These cost me a half-season savings. She told you not to worry about it, Wormy. Hey, Fixer, the show is over. Haven't you got work to do? Come on, Cammy. What? Are you just gonna let I him... I said, come on. So long, guys. You know, they're right about one thing, Luke. 
The rebellion against the Empire is a long way from here. You know, I doubt the Imperials would bother with this system. But I could have sworn I saw... Hey, come on, I tell you what. Let's let's take a spin in that land speeder of yours, huh? I'd like to take one last look at Beggar's Canyon. Yeah, for old time's sake. Sure, Biggs. <laughs> Boy, you should have been there the other day when we ran the canyon. Yeah? You know, old Fixer started bragging about, oh, he could do anything that Biggs could do. You know. <laughs> so I said, hey, you're so smart, why don't you... Yeah, and Fixer just pretended it never happened. <laughs> or as my skyhoppers busted up pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sure that made your uncle happy. Ooh, you have no idea. I'm grounded for the rest of the season. Nah, nah, you ought to take it a little easier, Luke. Nah. I mean, even if you are the hottest gully jumper this side of Maws Isley, you keep it up, buddy, and one day, whammo, you'll be nothing but a dark smear on a canyon wall. <laughs> hey, why'd you want me to come out to Beggar's Canyon anyway? Like I said, old time's sake. I mean, who knows when I'll be back this way, right? Huh? I guess. Well, there it is. The old stone needle. You know, you can see practically the whole canyon from this part of the rim. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I lived through all the crazy stunts we pulled down here. <laughs> I remember some of those. <laughs> Boy, we had the hopper now. We could give those womp rats a surprise. Oh, sorry. No, I, I am now valuable property. Keeping in mind the expense of cadet training, all graduates shall refrain from unnecessary risk-taking. <laughs> you? Do they happen to know how many stabilizer veins you've been up on the back stretch down there? Or how about the time you almost wiped out the stone wheel? <laughs> I, I figured it was better not to mention those to my piloting instructors. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, it hasn't been the same since you left, Biggs. It's been so... quiet. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, you were always number one around here, Biggs. You were the one who made things happen. Yeah, that's a big galaxy, Luke. At the Academy, everybody was number one back where they came from. All of a sudden, I was just a face in the crowd. Yeah, but you made it, Biggs. <sighs> You're gonna see all those places we used to talk about. Yep. Luke, did you ever wonder why we're friends? Huh? The rest of them, back at Anchorhead. They'll never leave Tatooine. Maybe never get as far as Mos Eisley. Have you ever thought about that? Well, not exactly like that, I haven't. Fixer's just smart enough to know he's better off being a big noise in a small room. Cammy's dumb enough to think she's made the prize catch hereabouts, and Wendy's nothing but a follower, and Deke's the follower of a follower. But what are you saying, Biggs? You will make it off Tatooine, Luke. And they know it. That's why they won't accept you. Huh. Well, they're not so bad. I, I don't really mind them. Then how come you work so hard at being the hottest pilot around, huh? Well, hey, I... hey, did you see that? Well, Off on the far side of the canyon. Wh where? Sand people! You got your macros? Yeah, right here. Mm. Yep. Three banthas and... It looks like five Tuscan Raiders. Yeah? Yeah, they're, they're moving out towards the wastes. Hey, I'm supposed to keep a watch out for them at the farm. My uncle said there'd been some sightings around here. No, 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 no. I should get back. Hey, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Well, that's a little excitement for your visit. You only think this planet's boring because you've never been anywhere else, Luke. Luke, I didn't... I didn't come home just for a visit. If I don't come back... I wanted somebody to know. What? Well, 
know what? Honestly, Biggs, will you stop being so secretive? Luke, I made some... I made some friends at the Academy. Yeah? And one of them will be on the Rand Ecliptic with me. At our first port of call in the inner systems, we're going to jump ship and join the Rebel Alliance. But that's crazy! You could wander around forever trying to find them. Look, the Empire can't even find well, them. Well, if we don't find the Rebels, then we're gonna do what we can on our own. I'm not hanging around to get drafted into the Imperial Starfleet. The Rebellion's spreading Luke, and I want to be on the side I believe in. Yeah, and I'm stuck here. But I, I thought you were going to the Academy next week. I had to cancel my application. You know, the Sand People acting up again. Come on, Luke! Your uncle could hold off a whole Tuscan raiding party with one blaster. One of these days, buddy, you've got to separate what seems important from what is. But the farm's just about to start paying off. Look, Uncle Owen needs me for one more season. Biggs, I can't just run out on him and Aunt Baru now. Uncle Owen, Aunt Baru, first it's sand people, now it's the crop. Meanwhile, your application's been canceled, Luke. Canceled. Luke, listen to me. Your uncle uses that I fed you and brought you up line to keep you here. Can't you see that? Biggs, my aunt and uncle are the only family I've got. They're all I've got. I don't care what you or anybody else thinks about me. I can't let anything happen to those Luke, two. Luke, I didn't I'll mean to I'll go on. Said, Find a... your rebellion. You don't think I'd like to leave? You think I like staying behind? No, I never thought that, Luke. Well, that's how it sounded. Oh, here, I'll let you off by the power station. Thanks for the ride, Luke. Yeah. Sure. Luke. Luke, I had a friend at the Academy. He helped me through the way I, the way I used to help you. Just before graduation, I heard he got picked up during a roundup of rebel suspects. And they said he died in interrogation. You've changed, Biggs. You've changed a lot. I have been doing some thinking, Luke. <sighs> but, uh... But you're the same as ever. It's... Hey, tell me, are you, are you still keeping a lookout for that dream girl you used to talk about? <laughs> well, I don't know if she passes by. Biggs, I'm sorry about what I said back there. Yeah, me too. Hey, just let's forget it. Will you be around long? No, I'm leaving on the morning shuttle. Looks like there's a wind kicking up. <laughs> Wind's rising all over the Empire, Luke. Even Tatooine will feel it sooner or later. I guess I won't be seeing you for a while. Oh, maybe someday. I'll be watching for you. Listen, next season, I'm going to be going to the Academy for sure. <laughs> no, I am, I am. Take care of yourself. So long, Luke. The Biggs. Yeah? Do you really think those ships out there were just freighters? Well, not if you say they were firing, Hotshot. With an abruptness he will find difficult to believe, Luke Skywalker's life is about to change beyond his wildest dreams as he's swept up in the bitter war between Rebel Alliance and Empire. And soon, a captive princess's desperate plea for help, 
the final quest of a legendary hero, and the key to the Empire's most awesome weapon will be decided by the actions of a young farm boy from Tatooine. Star Wars, Episode One by Brian Daly, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Kale Brown as Biggs, Anne Garrity as Aunt Beru, and Thomas Hill as Uncle Owen. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Sarr. Executive producer was Richard Toskin. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Titan. You are listening to K-Worth. Star Wars the, uh, was presented uh, by you're National listening to Public Star Wars. Radio in association <laughs> with KUSC-FM Los Angeles with the cooperation of Lucasfilm Limited. <laughs> that, there's a funny story behind that. Uh, I, I just, didn't expect there to be another thing. Uh, uh, yeah, you, there was the little end you, tag. You were listening to Star Wars. Now you're listening and have been listening also at the same time to the K-Worth Theater of the Air here on KWUR 90.3 FM. Clayton. Boop. The K. Stands for quality. Dern tootin' it does. Uh, I would like to say uh, that 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 station, the I guess it was KUSC, maybe the the FM station that was referenced at the end of that little that tag I didn't expect to that we didn't up. expect to pop up uh, was the the National Public Radio affiliate from the University of Southern California, which is of course George Lucas's alma mater. And I was looking this up just now, and um, George Lucas sold the rights to that radio station. For a dollar per movie. Really? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that I, is sort of cool. I, 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 I really think that that had a lot of cool nuance to it. That was great. I really liked that. I had not heard uh, the entire thing. Yeah. I mean, the entirety of that episode. And... Um, yeah, they they really... They're they, people. They, they really fleshed out the characters yeah. very nicely. Something that I noted, uh, and Dave, I think you kind of agree with me. Maybe. Is, is that the uh, the characters at Ta- uh, the Tachi Station uh, remind me a lot oh. of of American Graffiti, which you hadn't they're, – they're greasers. I have not seen Ameri- – yeah, but they see – I have not seen American Graffiti, but they see – they're greasery, right? They – to me, they summon up images of George Lucas's childhood – in the 50s. They're teenagers racing their hot rods around, right? I mean, that is exactly what it is. That I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, and Fixer's like the the big burly guy, and he works in the auto shop, and, and he's making fun of the, the skinny nerdy kid because he wants to go to college. And he's like, you'll never be anything, kid. Right. I, got, I got the dame. And he's got his girlfriend. Yeah. He, he's like he's like Biff. in. He's like Biff. In uh, Back, to, Back the to the Future, yeah. Anyway, I, I like that a lot. Maybe we'll play some more of those as the semester goes on. I think we should. Okay. I think we should. Today's theme, um, in case you didn't guess, is science fiction. 
So we've been playing um, classic science fiction radio theater like uh, these radio versions of Star Wars. Wasn't that creepy? And we're going to be playing some more original radio theater for you. What? As the rest of this hour winds on. Wears on interminably. Oh. 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 Oh, it's magic. It's just sad because Alex isn't here because she's been kidnapped by aliens. It is sad. I'm sad. Alexa, if you're out there, call us. Call us and, and we'll, we'll, we'll try and we'll, we'll fight those aliens. Did you figure out what that voice sounded like? You said it sounded like something. Oh, no, I didn't remember. It did sound like something. Okay. I'll think of it. Well, it's let's, irrelevant. Let's take a break. That's not irrelevant. It's a hippopotamus. When I was out on safari, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. What he was doing in my pajamas, I'll never know. We took some pictures of the native girls, but they hadn't developed. But we'll be back again in a couple of weeks. All right, Groucho Marx, that's enough. Let's uh, take a break. Yeah. We'll be back here with more K-Worth Theater of the Air. And creepy jokes. Children are naturally curious. So, sorry. Children are naturally curious. So follow their lead. When you talk with your child, you build vocabulary. Learning starts long before school does. For more tips, go to bornlearning.org. A public service announcement brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and this station. All right, folks. It's K-Worth Theater of the Air here on KWUR 90.3 FM. Clayton. My name is David Brunel Brutman. Hi, David Brunel Brutman. Hi, mysterious stranger. I am David Randstrom, but you may call me the mysterious stranger. 
Come with me, child, and explore this strange printing workshop. We shall create numerous doubles of you. That was uh, that was not what I expected at all to occur. What in that conversation? You may call me number forty-four. That was more of what I was expecting to occur. What? Isn't that what happens in number forty-four of the Mysterious Stranger? Oh yes, it is. I I'm talking forgot. about the Twain story. Uh, yes, you are talking about the Twain story. Yeah, that's what happens. So today, uh, speaking of uh, weird stories, yes. Yeah, see that segue? I'm yes. always segueing. We're doing science fiction. We're doing um, classic and original science fiction radio theater. And it's awesome. And now, a creepy improvised monologue from our villain, Baron Dr. Klaus von Grupp. He comes to you now, live, from his workshop in Belgium. Mr. Music, won't you play? So, Klaus, when you first decided to become a supervillain, um, what, I mean, what really motivated you? What, what gets you going as a villain? Well, primarily, I'm interested in taking over the world. Yes. That, that is my primary motivation here. Uh, there's something, there's just something very satisfying about it. The world, I mean, and I'd, I'd like to own it. Are there any parts in particular that, that catch your interest? Uh, well, I come from Belgium originally. Yes. And I've always wanted to rule Belgium, so certainly Belgium. Uh, I spent a number of years in South Africa, so I'm certainly very interested in ruling South Africa. And, uh, I've recently encountered some very obnoxious Americans, so I'd like to try and turn that country around as well. I've heard that Peru is quite nice in the spring. Peru? Hmm. Well, I shall have to go there. Once I rule the world. This has been an interview with Baron Klaus von Graf. And that, that was a sneak preview. That was a sneak preview of up-and-coming attractions <laughs> uh, here on Cairo Theater of the Air. Uh, as you may very well be aware, we are developing some 100% original radio serials. Radio serials. We're developing them. Yes. One of which is entitled Sky Pirates. And that, what you just heard, was totally 100% original music from Sky Pirates. It's true. I'm pretty excited about that. Coupled with 100% totally original villain. Yes. Klaus von Grupp. From Sky Pirates. For the win. Cha-ching. Anyway, our uh, our call-in topic for tonight. Call-ins? Running out of time. Running out the So clock. far, we have had turkey dinner. Uh, we have had blueberry thicket. We have had um, progressive meal, which really doesn't make that much sense uh, when you think about it. Uh, because you wouldn't go... That's You know, that's what... Like a progressive dinner is when you go to different people's houses to, for each course... Doesn't really make much no, space. I've never on heard a, of that. It doesn't make much sense on a spaceship unless you have to go into different compartments to taste the next meal. But really, if it's all in a pill, um, the the call-in is if you are flying in a spacecraft to on a mission to Mars to colonize Mars, uh, you have to buy your food pills in bulk, uh, which means you only get one flavor. 
So, which flavor would you choose? Give us a call. The number is 314-935-5987. We would love to hear from you. And uh, maybe, We would love to hear Maybe, from just you. maybe, we'll talk about how special you are on the air. I'm just saying. Maybe. You could call that number. Anytime, baby. Ricky, Anytime. don't lose that I guess number. maybe we could take this opportunity so to uh, pimp our, our website. Yeah, if pimp you, it. Yeah. If, okay, I'm going to uh, lay down some fat beats. Uh, yeah. That's fresh. All right. If you want to find the K-Worth Theater of the Air online, you should point your browser node at... I'm sorry, I said browser node. I'm rolling with it. All right. You should point your browser to kwurradiotheater.wordpress.com. That address, once again, is kwurradiotheater.com. And on there, you're going to find our blog. Uh, if you want, you can go back and listen to all of our episodes from now all the way back to the very beginning of the show. We've got it set up so that uh, if you want to listen to an individual original sketch, you know, maybe you don't want to scroll original. through the entire the entire podcast, the entire two-hour podcast to podcast. find something, you can do that. You can just pluck original sketches. Pluck. And it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, David, for that sexy backing track. You are welcome. You can also check us out on iTunes. Simply search for KWUR Theater of the Air in the iTunes store and we'll pop up. Yeah, if you're listening live, uh, you can find our podcast. If you're listening to our podcast, you can find our older episodes. You can find us live, is what you're trying to say, right? I don't think it works like that. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that. Wait, 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 wait. Podcast listeners, call us now from the future. Are there space pills? I don't know. Are there yeah, food- I guess if you're uh, listening to the podcast, you are already in the future. So there may very well be uh, food pills there. David, oh my God. What if the aliens that stole Alex have invaded? What, if, what if the aliens that abducted Alex were just Then a- I am sorry, future podcast <laughs> listeners. You guys are in trouble. All right. The rest of this podcast, the rest of this episode will hereby be devoted to survival study guide um, for dealing with the... Uh, Okay. The you, alien apocalypse. You know what aliens are like? Aliens are like communists. Okay? You know, in the 50s, when aliens invaded, you know that was just a, a substitute for the Russians. And we have a product for you, ladies and gentlemen, that will help you defeat the communist menace and their, by extension, the alien menace. So I'd like to play you... Uh, an advertisement for this life-saving product. A fine plan. Hi there. Do you ever find ants in your home? Those pesky little critters can come up through the cracks when you're least expecting it. They'll devour all the perishables in your refrigerator and kidnap your baby, taking her back to their terrible underground lair. Mommy, mommy, the ants are taking me away. Once deep within the bosom of the earth, the ants will crown your child their new queen. And your little one will be consigned to live out the rest of her days as the matriarch of a giant clan of insects. It's dark and crawly in here. I ask you, America, do you want your children raised by ants? Fire ants? Fire ants are red, just like dirty, filthy communists. And communists can shrink down to the size of ants using secret Soviet technology. That's a fact. And here's another fact. 
There's something you can do to defend yourself against this invisible red menace. Buy Acme brand communist detectors. When you hear this sound, you know there's a communist nearby. No! You American pig dogs found me! Curse your superior capitalist system! Take him away and mail him straight back to Russia, boys. And make sure to put holes in that box. Freedom holes. No! No! Acme brand communist detectors. Defending America since the dawn of time, 6,000 years ago. Well, listeners, we hope that was edifying. Yes. Uh, I know I found it very useful. I'm going to buy at least 12 of those. Did you know that if you buy so them So that I can detect 12 communists yeah. at once. Do it. I think that's probably the best solution. I agree. Like, hmm. if, if I were to uh, buy a, uh, you know, like a radar detector yeah. for my car, you know, you, you want to speed in your car, so you buy a radar detector. Shh, no, you don't. That's le- illegal. You don't illegal. want to speed, so you buy a radar detector to not speed, to avoid it. Yes. So Of course. I would buy two radar detectors so that what if there are two police cars trying to detect me? Yeah. Exactly. You got to undetect it. What um, are you saying? I lost you. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So you have a radar detector, but the police have radar detector detectors, and so you can buy a radar detector detector detector. Oh, no. I'm not joking. What if the police have a radar detector 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 detector? Well, I don't know about that, but they may. They may develop one. So there may be, like, the levels of radar detecting. What I'm saying is the levels of radar detecting in the world are, like, fractally. They're forming into a fractal pattern, which is just going to collapse in on itself, you know? Infinite recursion. Like to drive a man mad. But it's entirely true. There are radar detector detector detectors. Like, you can buy one in a store. I'm not making this up. Can you, Why don't we can't take... you just buy a radar detector detector? Like a police issue one? No. But what? that's that's like saying, can you buy like a, a police bulletproof vest? You can't do that. Oh. I assume. Well, you know how I you know how Griffin makes like iPod things for iPod, but they're not iPod? Yes. So couldn't they like be like, this is a police style radar detector detector? But then what good would it do? Because that would just detect the radar detector. I don't know. Play some music. We're going to take a break. It would just detect the radar detector that's in your car. So you would be... You would be detecting your own no, radar detector. No, 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 no. This is if you're, like, if you're like a vigilante policeman and you've got... You want to catch other speeders. It makes sense.
saying was there was this guy uh, my, my friend Tara from Cleveland had this friend in high school and he was like 17 years old and he was really chummy with the local police department like uh, Beechwood it was like it's a suburb of Cleveland okay um, and he was really chummy with the local police department he really wanted to be a police officer and they gave him a he was a he was a vigilante I don't know how in God's name this is legal that yeah that sounds well, super hold, illegal hold I mean what they, did he they do? gave him a set of gumballs right which is the the had you know the little flashy siren lights on top of the car like when you're like a, a plainclothes cop or like a, right. a district attorney or somebody yeah like just a set of gumballs put on top of his truck so he had those set up wired to his truck uh and he would pull people over in his, you know, whatever it was, his F-150. That's totally and, ridiculous. And, and issue them citations. You know, I, I, can, I, can, ask, I can ask Tara ask for, for some details. verification. This, this sounds really sketchy. I, <laughs> sounds hilarious is what it is. You are Listeners, listening. Oh, I, go ahead. I beat, you, I beat you to the punch. You are listening to KWUR Clayton 90.3 FM. I'm David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel Brutman. And Alex is not here because she was kidnapped by aliens. Uh, someone, uh, someone, something in her fucking <laughs> coffee. Frack! Frack! Ah, frack me! No! Um, we can't say that on the air. We can say that on the air. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this week's this theme is, the, uh, is science fiction. This is the KWR theme so of the air. <laughs> we're using science fiction uh, curse words. Yes. Like frack. Yeah. 
and we're going to play some science fiction themed original content for you now. I original think. content. Original content. Sounds good to me. Vincent Price. Hello, I'm Vincent Price, the actor. The following sketch is entitled The Great Moon Race of Aught Six and features a race between Thomas Edison and Nikolai Tesla to the moon. It is completely effing factual. That is all. Today we join Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla playing a rousing game of ten-card finger jimmy. Mm, Edison, I see your three-jack finger salmon and raise you twenty tiddly pockets. A shrewd move, Tesla. But try this on for size, why don't you? A crowd of aces? You're cheating. Cheating, am I? Horse feathers and applesauce. Like diddly pickles, I'm cheating. I accuse you. It is you that I accuse, Edison, of the cheatings. Very well, Tesla. There's clearly only one way to settle this. An obstacle race? That's a good idea. But no! Even better, a race to the moon! And so began the great moon race of 1906. The two great inventors set to work. I can adapt the Tesla coil to make my rocket. And I can adapt the phonograph to make my rocket. Until finally, they were both finished. On a foggy morning in November, the two met on the field of battle. The Menlo Park, New Jersey, Junior Pee Wee Baseball Diamond. So, I see you finished your rocket. And I see you finished yours. My rocket runs on alternating current. AC. What does your rocket run on? My rocket runs on direct current. DC. Well, I guess we'll see which one is better when I get to the moon first. Poppycock, Tesla. When my direct current rocket reaches the moon first, everyone will see that my current is superior. Well, why don't you put your rocket where your mouth is? Well, let me just put on my leather aviator helmet and goggles... And I'll be all set to climb into this rocket and beat you to the moon, Tesla. Very well. I'm going to put on this baseball cap and this belt. And I'll beat you to the moon. Into the cockpit I go. And thus, the countdown began. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, five, three, two, one. Lift off! Heroes blasted off to the moon. Everything was going well until. Hey, hey, Edison! Tesla, what are you doing outside of your rocket? Hey, what does it look like I am doing? I am throwing rocks at you! Oh, so that's the way you want to play it, is it? Well, take this! <laughs> what? You are throwing wax cylinders at me? That's right. I have enough wax cylinders stored away in this rocket to record 20 minutes of music! Good God, he has like 200! Oh no! My phonographic engine is misaligned! You'll hit my Tesla coil right in the nubbin! We're in a death spiral straight for the moon's lunar surface! Me also in addition as well! No! Are you okay, Edison? <coughs> yes, I think I'm fine, thank you. Good! Ha! No! <laughs> also, I win! 
What? No, you didn't! Yes, I did. I crashed first. I clearly won this moon race. Well, there's only one way to solve this. I agree. An obstacle race. I was thinking more along the lines of a return race back to the Earth. That also works. Let me start up my superior engine. (laughs) My superior engine will certainly start up. Let's see it. Damn. Well, it seems we're both grounded, stranded forever, on this lifeless rock of a moon. You know, I wonder why I can breathe out here. Wait, Tesla! Do you hear that strange noise? That thrumming noise in background? Yes. It sounds like a cat being electrocuted. It would to you, stodgy old cat torturer. Wait, look. Over that ridge. It's Moon Man! Moon Man, Moon Man, Moon Man. 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 Welcome to the moon. Moon man. Moon man. We're the moon man. Moon man. Day. What are you doing on the moon? Hmm. They don't seem outright threatening, Tesla. Moon man. True. But I don't trust them. Day. All new visitors to the moon must do obstacle race. Yes. I like this moon man now. What is an obstacle race? Day. Gotta run across the moon. What happens if Tesla loses? Hey! Damn, Moon Man gonna crush you with Moon Rocks! Moon Man! Wait, what happens if I win? Damn, we crush you with Moon Rocks! Moon Man! Now wait a second! You're saying if we win the race, you'll crush us with Moon Rocks? Then if we lose the race, you'll crush us with Moon Rocks? I'm gonna crush you with Moon Rocks! Our heroes share a look of sheer terror! <laughs> There's got to be some way to evade these Moon Men, Tesla! I hate to admit it, but maybe it's time to work together. I agree, Tesla. Let's look at the parts that we've got from our two crashed rockets. I have my DC-powered phonograph. And I have my AC-powered Tesla coil. We can link this, switch over here to this line. Run that through there, yes. Yes, and that will go through the circuit breaker here. I like that, yes. From yours. Let's connect your DC phonograph here. To your... AC Tesla coil. What? AC DC. Move on, run away. It's working. Yes. Hey, look what's left over. Why? A Moonman device is actually a new rocket. Awesome. We can travel back to Earth together. Unity, let's go, friend. Shake on it. (laughs) Tesla, you old dog. Always watch out for the hand buzzer. (laughs) (laughs) And so our inventors rocketed back to Earth, where they settled their feud by lighting an elephant on fire. And thus, the great moon race of 1906 concluded in a tie. The end.
anything that rocks harder than science, dude. Science rocks. And so does science fiction, which mm-hmm. has been our theme for these lovely past two hours. But, uh-oh. What's that? Uh-oh. What's oh, no. You hear that? Yeah, I hear it. Uh-oh. Oh, poo. That would be our end theme that music, would be David. Our end theme music. You know what that means? I think it's credits. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. You know what that means, David? What does that mean? Oh, wait, no. Wait, I was going to say, say it. what it means. You say it. That means it's time for credits. All right. The KWUR Theater is written, produced, directed, and consumed by David Bruno Bubbin and David Reinstrom and Alexandra Jensen, who is not here because she's been kidnapped by aliens. Now let's get to it. The secret code phrase this week is, I dare say that blasted wombat has made off with my tiddlywink. David. Our editor-in-chief for K-Word Theater of the Air is Pac-Man. Our barcode wrangler this week was Batman. And the part of Nancy Reagan was played this week by Gerald Ford. And here is one final message. Uh, To the aliens who have captured Alex, we do not think it is funny that you've been repeatedly prank-calling the station. Alex Jensen is not and will never be a flavor of food pill. We will never surrender to your tyranny. The Imperium of Man will prevail, Xenos. Frack all y'all. Frack all y'all in the tentacle for the Emperor. <laughs> the Emperor. <laughs> I am the greatest space marine. I don't even believe you. Space marine. Blood for the blood god. <laughs>